to the Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This in-depth one-hour radio broadcast features a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible, as originally taught by Pastor Chuck. Our study today picks up in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 1, as we follow along with today's lesson. He gives us the story of uh, the prodigal son, and uh, beautiful stories that we don't find in the other gospel are incorporated here in the gospel according to Luke. Uh, So uh, great uh, presentation of Jesus Christ after very careful research on the part of Luke. Uh, It's interesting that he uses medical terms for some of the illnesses. Uh, That's just a part of his profession as a physician. So uh, he begins his gospel as he is writing to this man, Theophilus, and he said, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first, to write unto thee in order, setting things out in an orderly way, most excellent Theophilus, that you might know the certainty of those things wherein you have been instructed." So Theophilus was instructed in the gospel, but this is now to confirm it and to let him know for certainty these things that happened. Now, Luke actually uh, interviewed the eyewitnesses. Uh, He questioned them concerning the things. And it's interesting that he begins his gospel with the... Announcement to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, uh, which we do not have in the other Gospels. He tells us of the visit of the angel Gabriel to Mary, which we do not have in the other Gospels. So the first chapter of Luke is really an insight to the background of the birth of Christ not given to us in the other Gospels. And in that sense, it becomes very interesting to us. It is thought and is no doubt true that Luke actually interviewed Mary and got the story directly from Mary of her visit to Elizabeth because of the details of what was said and the reactions between them and all that he probably interviewed Mary herself to get 
her account of uh, the announcement of the angel to her and of the events prior to the birth of Jesus Christ. So he is now wanting to assure Theophilus of the truth of these things that he had been taught uh, by giving him eyewitness accounts. Others had set forth the story of the life of Christ. Mark, Matthew, and of course, no doubt, many others. Uh, John wrote later on, but uh, there were many accounts, partial accounts of the story of Jesus Christ, so Luke wants to set it out for Theophilus in an orderly fashion. So there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, and Luke is very careful to give us the timing of the events. In chapter 3, he gives several different, um, uh, it was the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea. Herod was the tetrarch of Galilee. His brother Philip, the tetrarch of Idaria and of the region of Trachonitis and Lysanias and the tetrarch of Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests when the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. So he gives you all of these uh, reference points historically uh, that give you the, the exact timing and, and sets historically the timing of the beginning of the ministry of John the Baptist. So we are able then to give with great exactness uh, the 15th year uh, of uh, Tiberius Caesar so we know with exactness when John the Baptist began his ministry. So there was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. He was of the course or the family of Abia, and his wife, was of the daughters of Aaron. Now it was thought especially beneficial if the priest would marry into the family of Levi. In other words, that his wife uh, was also a Levite uh, or from the tribe of Levi. And her name was Elizabeth. She was one of the daughters of Aaron. That is, she could trace her genealogy back to Aaron, uh, the uh, brother of Moses. They were both righteous before God, godly couple. They were walking in the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord. They were blameless, just a good, godly couple. But they had a great problem in that culture, considered a cultural curse. They had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well-stricken with years. The word well-stricken literally is bent over. That is, uh, as in the case of osteoporosis, when a person becomes old, sometimes they get bent over. And so uh, they were bent over with the years. And it came to pass, while he was executing the priest's office before God in the order of his course... Now, in those days, there were 20,000 priests, Levites. 
Naturally, they could not all serve in the temple at the same time. So they set them out in courses, and each priest would serve a one-week stint every two years, sort of to divide up uh, the duties of the priesthood. So pretty nice, you know, just once every two years you would serve for one week. And uh, the rest of the time, you'd be occupied in your regular type of uh, making a living. But you, you would come to the temple uh, one week, and they always looked forward uh, as just a glorious time every other year when they had that week of service in the temple. Now, according to the custom of the priest's office, when you would come, they would then cast lots to determine what function that you would fulfill in the priestly duties, whether or not you would offer the sacrifices or you'd offer the incense or uh, the many different functions of the priestly office. They would cast lots for it. And so it was his lot to burn the incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Uh, there was the morning and evening sacrifice. And with the sacrifices, uh, there was the going in and the burning of the incense. And so that was his lot. It was really one that was highly uh, prized, and it happened to fall to his lot to burn the incense before the altar of incense in the holy place. Not the holy of holies, but the holy place uh, within the temple where only the priest were allowed to go. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the time of incense. He would go in representing the people before the Lord. The incense represented the prayers of the people and go in and offer them up to the Lord a sweet-smelling savor unto God. And then he would come out and pronounce God's blessings upon the people. Uh, the Lord bless thee and keep thee and cause his face to shine upon thee and give thee peace. So while he was in there, the people would be waiting outside for the priestly blessing. And so the multitude of people, having come to worship God, were waiting outside for this priestly blessing. But there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias. Now, for 400 years since the prophet Malachi, the voice of God had been silent. God had not spoken to the people for 400 years. And now God's silence is broken. And the first word of God to man after the 400 years of silence is fear not. Going back to Malachi chapter 4, it is interesting that the last word of God was a word of judgment. The fourth chapter, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all of the proud, yea, all that do wickedly shall be stubble, 
And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that shall leave them neither root nor branch. But then the glorious promise of God of the coming Messiah, but unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall. And then verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So this is the last word that God spoke. Now, the first word that God speaks after the 400 years of silence is to Zacharias, and it picks up where God left off. The time of the fulfillment of this prophecy of Malachi has come, and Zacharias is to have an important part of it. So fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. <laughs> Interesting. Thy prayer is heard. He and his wife were both well stricken with years. They had never been able to have a child, and so their prayer was, God, give us a child. Can you imagine how many years they must have been praying that? Now they are well stricken with years and uh, no child. And yet the Lord now says, thy prayers. It's amazing that he continued to pray that long, isn't it, uh, for a child. I mean, just uh, how he continued in prayer, uh, even though... Uh, he, he was now an old man. His wife was elderly, stricken with years. He's still praying that God would give them a child. And uh, talk about persistence in prayer. Someone asked me this week just uh, about patience, you know, and, and been praying for something for a long time. And, and uh, you know, how long do we pray? Well, you pray until you get an answer. And uh, so here they are. Thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. John is the Greek for the Hebrew Johannan, which means God is gracious, or God is giving. So God's going to give you a son. Your prayer is heard. God is gracious. You're to call his name God is gracious. Beautiful name. And uh, so often names were given according to the circumstances, and surely this is a manifestation of God's grace in the birth of John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Uh, it's going to be an exciting event for you. Uh, joy and gladness. Now, whenever a, a, a woman was ready to be delivered, they'd call the musicians and the people would gather for a party. Uh, the birth of a boy was just a, a party time, exciting event. Musicians, dances, and, and the whole thing. And, and so they, they would wait, and when the child was delivered, the midwife would come out and say, it's a boy, and the musicians would break out, the people would dance, be great rejoicing. Unfortunately, if it was a girl, the musicians would pack up their instruments and go home. <laughs> that's not fair, is it? But that's just the culture, 
and uh, baby, you've come a long way. So, uh, <laughs> concerning the child, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. That is, he would be as a Nazarite, a Nazarite vow, consecrated unto God. Uh, it was a sign of consecration to God. And he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So anointed with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, consecrated unto God, a Nazarite, and great in the sight of the Lord. Jesus said of all of the prophets, there has not risen one who is greater than John the Baptist. Jesus' testimony of him, and he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He'll be an evangelist, turning the people of Israel back unto God. And he shall go before him, that is the Messiah, in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. So in a sense, he will be a fulfillment of the prophecy that God would send Elijah to turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. Uh, he will come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Jesus later said of him after his death that he was, if you're able to take it, Elijah. However, that prophecy has a dual fulfillment and before the coming again of Jesus Christ, Elijah shall come and exercise a ministry for three and a half years as is told in Revelation chapter 11. So he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers, our hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, preparing the people for the coming of the Lord. So Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? I'm an old man, and my wife is bent over or stricken in the years. <laughs> Thy prayer is heard. It wasn't really a prayer of faith, was it? When the Lord said, The Lord's heard your prayer, you know, you're going to have a son. Well, how can I know this? You know, I mean, just, I'm an old man, and, 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 and lack of faith. I wonder how many of our prayers are just sort of perfunctory. After a while, we just pray them, but we don't really believe God's going to do it anymore, but... Uh, we just continue to pray, not in faith any longer. And so the angel answering said unto him, I'm Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, one of the chief angels of heaven, Gabriel, whom it would seem God made sort of the um, angel in charge of uh, the preparing of, of the events and all for the birth of the Messiah into the world. It was Gabriel who came to Daniel some 500 years earlier and announced to Daniel the day that the Messiah would come. Now 500 years later, he appears to Zacharias and tells him, hey, you're going to be the father of the forerunner of the Messiah. Then Gabriel came to Mary in Nazareth and told her that she was to be the mother of the Messiah. So Gabriel, an interesting angel, uh, and uh, 
he, he announces, I'm, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. Imagine that. To meet Gabriel, who, who stands there in the presence of God. And I am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, you will be mute, not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed because you did not believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. God's purposes are going to be accomplished. They won't be hindered by you. Don't be put under a guilt trip. You know, it's your fault that God isn't working. God is going to work his purposes, uh, whether you believe it or not. And here is Zacharias, and he did not believe, so he'll pay the penalty. He'll not be able to speak. You want a sign? Okay. Uh, you'll be quiet. You'll not be able to speak until the day the child is born until these things are performed because you didn't believe the word which will be fulfilled. It will happen. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. A few years ago when Kay was sending out the Christmas cards, which we used to be able to do, but so busy in the last few years that we really haven't had time to, to get out Christmas cards. Though we would love to do it, it's just a matter of, of not having time anymore. But she used to always love to put a little personal note and a scripture. And this one year, the scripture in Matthew one twenty one uh, sort of struck her, so she wanted to put it at the bottom of the card and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And a great little verse for Christmas, uh, bringing forth a son, call his name Jesus. But somehow she got mixed up in her mind, and she put Luke one twenty one instead of Matthew one twenty one. So those who looked up the verse... The people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And they thought that she was sending a cryptic message that I was spending too much time at church and not enough time with her. <laughs> and when he came not out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. He came out and could not pronounce the best blessing. So they, they perceived that he must have seen a vision. And after those days, let's say, and it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, that is, the week was over, he departed to his own house. And it came to pass that as soon as the days, uh, let's see, and after those days, his wife Elizabeth did conceive, and she hid herself for five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked upon me to take away my reproach among men. It was a reproach, it was a shame, it was a, considered a curse for a woman not to be able to bear a child. So in the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, the city of bad reputation, to a virgin who was a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph. 
Now, a spousal was something uh, that was in their culture. Uh, engagement, uh, you see, marriage was by arrangement. And so uh, you could be engaged when you were five years old. Uh, your parents got together with their friends and uh, they had a cute little girl and you're a nice little boy. And they say, well, why don't we you know, arrange for our children to get married? And so uh, they, they would make the arrangements and you would be considered engaged uh, because your parents have made the arrangements for you to be married to uh, their friend's little girl. So you go to kindergarten and say, well, I'm engaged to her, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> It was, it was marriage by arrangement. But one year before the actual wedding, you entered into a contract that was called the espousal, in which you were totally committed to each other for this one-year period of espousal. If the groom-to-be should die in that year's time, the wife-to-be would be considered a widow. And so you would have, you had the phrase, a virgin who is a widow. That is, during this one-year espousal period, uh, the groom-to-be had died. So it was a time of, of commitment of your lives to each other before the wedding. Uh, actually, to break this commitment took a writing of divorcement. You had to actually be divorced uh, from this commitment uh, during this year of espousal. So they were in this year of espousal when the angel came unto her. She was espoused to Joseph. And the angel said unto her, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Now, there is a Protestant backlash to the uh, worship of Mary that has been instituted by the Catholic Church, uh, sort of elevating her, calling her the mother of God, a term that is never used in the Bible, uh, and then uh, declaring that she was conceived without sin, declaring that uh, she ascended into heaven, the divine assumption of Mary, and that she is an intermediary between you and Jesus, uh, that... Uh, you can pray to Mary, and she in turn will go to her son who would surely not deny his mother favors. And so she has become an intermediary uh, between you and Jesus. Uh, and so there is a Protestant backlash to uh, Mariology and this elevating Mary to a higher position than what she had in the Bible. Jesus actually rebuked Mary in the first part of John at the uh, wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. And later he put all of his followers on the same level. Who is my brother? Who is my mother? The same that do the will of God are my mother and my brethren. 
so that uh, we Protestants have, have sort of uh, been guilty of, of this backlash against Mary. It should be noted that of all of the women who have ever lived, God chose her and granted her the highest honor of any woman ever born. And that is the honor of being the human instrument through which he would bring his son into the world. A very spiritual, godly young girl. It is thought that she was probably around 15 or 16 years old at the time because marriage in those days was at a very young age. And thus, to this beautiful young girl there in Nazareth, spiritually, deeply spiritual, the angel declared that she was blessed among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And she wondered what kind of a greeting this was. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. You are to conceive in your womb, that is, without the benefit of a relationship with a man, referring to the virgin birth, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You're to call his name Jesus, Greek for the Hebrew word Joshua, which is Jehovah is salvation, one of the compound names of Jehovah, Jehovah Shua or Joshua. For Jesus, Jehovah Shua is Jehovah is salvation, and Jesus came to save the world from sin. So call his name Jesus, and he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, or as in verse 35, the Son of God. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Mary was a descendant of David, as in the genealogy in the third chapter of Luke, which we will get in a couple of weeks. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And so the, the promise of God to David will be fulfilled that there shall be one of his seed who will sit upon the throne forever. And it will be fulfilled in Jesus who will be sitting upon the throne of David forever. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David to order it and to establish it in just judgment and righteousness. So uh, he shall be great, called the son of the highest. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. All of these things are spoken of the child reigning over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary, uh, then said Mary unto the angel, 
How shall this be? Now, John, uh, Zacharias spoke with doubt when he asked the question, How shall I know this? Mary's question was one of procedure. How's this going to happen? I mean, she believed it, but she, she wondered concerning the process by which it will take place. And so, how sh- uh, shall this be seeing? I know not a man, uh, seeing that I have not had uh, physical intercourse with a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy one which shall be born of you will be called the Son of God. So uh, divine operation of God, planting the seed so that you will have a perfect God-man. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. Jesus is man born of the Virgin Mary. He is God, the Son of God, the seed of God planted in the womb of Mary. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God said that he would put enmity between the woman and the uh, Satan and between her seed and his seed. And uh, he, the, the seed of the woman, would bruise the heel of the serpent and the serpent would, I mean, bruise the head of the serpent and the serpent would bruise his heel. So Jesus would destroy the power of Satan Uh, John tells us, for this cause was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the power of the devil. So uh, here we find the woman's seed, the virgin birth, uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus would be born. So the angel tells her the process by which it will come to pass. And behold, he said, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. She's six months pregnant. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now here you see people have a problem with the virgin birth. Um, (laughs) Their problem really isn't with the virgin birth. Their problem is with the concept of God. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. You see, you shouldn't have any problem. If you can believe the first verse of Genesis, you should have no problem with the rest of the Bible. If your God is great enough to create the heaven and the earth, then he's big enough to do anything. Thus, you really shouldn't have any problems with God. So with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, and here, here again, character of Mary. Here the angel announces this. Now it's going to create a lot of difficulties, especially between Joseph and her. She comes up pregnant. I mean, how do you explain that to the fellow you're espoused to? And so, uh, but Mary, in surrender and submission, said, 
Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Notice that beautiful submission. Here I am, the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be as you have said. Surrender and submission. So Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to the city of Judah, which is uh, near Jerusalem. And she entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke with a loud voice, sort of a prophecy, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. The fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So uh, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy to Mary. Uh, and uh, declared that it's going to be just as God has declared to you. So here we have what is called the Magnificat, Mary's rejoicing and praise of the Lord. And this whole praise of Mary, the Magnificat, is just filled with the thoughts and concepts of God from the Old Testament. Just every verse breathes of the Old Testament concepts of God, which means that she was very devout, very well-versed in the scriptures. So Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Imagine now, here's a young girl just in her teens, and, and this glorious praise that comes forth pouring out to God from her spirit. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. So the blessed Mary, the blessed mother of our Lord. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. Holy is his name. And his mercy is upon them that fear him from generation to generation. And he hath showed strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts, and he hath put down the mighty from their seats, and he has exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever." And Mary stayed there for three months and then returned to her own house. So she stayed there probably till the birth of John the Baptist, where she stayed there with, for three months and probably waited for the birth of John the Baptist before she returned. Because remember, she was six months pregnant when the angel visited Mary. So this beautiful expression of praise to the Lord, the Magnificent, it is something that uh, is worthy of meditation. Each verse, each thought about God. Uh, there is uh, 
great meditative value. And I would encourage you to read over again the Magnificat in your own uh, leisure and just uh, think about the things that she is declaring of God that, of course, reveal her depth of uh, understanding and commitment and devotion unto God. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. Remember the angel said to uh, Zacharias that there would be joy and rejoicing. And uh, so they came and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass on the eighth day, the day when they circumcised the children, that they called him Zacharias. That is, all the family came in and said, oh, little Zacharias, little Zach, you know, great. After the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, not so. He shall be called John. But they argued with her and they said, there's none of your family that's called by this name, John, you know. And so they made signs to the father, Zacharias, how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled, all of them. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue was loosed, and he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that were dwelling round about them, and all of these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, what kind of a child is this going to be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. So, uh, you know, you wonder, you know, about a birth like this, and, and the child, what kind of a child? Is this going to be? And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, So both Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb, and now the father Zacharias filled with the Holy Spirit, and the manifestation was prophesying with both Elizabeth and with Zacharias. And in his prophecy he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. So God from the beginning was promising the Savior, the Messiah. And he is prophesying that the time has come for the fulfillment of this promise of God, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, from the powers of Satan and the powers of darkness that are out to destroy us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember God's holy covenant his oath which he swore to our father Abraham, where God said to Abraham that uh, 
as the stars of the sky are innumerable, so shall thy seed be. And uh, as you can't count the sands of the sea, neither will you be able to count thy seed. And referring, Paul said in Galatians 3.15, it was seed singular rather than plural, and that seed is Christ, the Messiah. So the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou child, addressing now the little child that was there, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. So John the Baptist went forth preaching, declaring to the people that they should repent. The kingdom of God was at hand. You will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Give knowledge of salvation, declaring the salvation of God and the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. The day spring from on high. Now go back again to Malachi chapter 4 and that prophecy of Malachi. Um, there in chapter 4. These India pages are hard to turn. Uh, In verse 2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise. Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. This word day spring, think of it, break it up now, day spring. It is actually, literally, the sun rising or the day rising, the day springing forth, the new day springing forth. So uh, it is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Malachi, the sun of righteousness shall arise. The rising sun is the day spring. Uh, Also, it is the same word, that in the Greek Septuagint was used to translate the word branch in the prophecies of the Old Testament that God would raise from Jesse a a righteous branch and so forth. This same word branch that is used prophetically of the Messiah is uh, translated into this same Greek word, the rising sun or the sun rising. So uh, here is the fulfillment The Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. So John was to uh, give knowledge of salvation to the people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God, whereby the day spring, the rising sun from on high hath visited us. To give light, the sun rising, to give light to them that sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
And the child grew, that is John, and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts until the day of his showing unto Israel. So the beautiful prophecy of Zacharias concerning John the Baptist, his ministry, going before the Lord, preparing the hearts of the people, declaring the remission of sins that God was bringing to man, and this rising sun that would give light to those who were in darkness and those who were living in the shadow of death because of sin, God's great plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. So the scene is set, exciting days, God is moving. The plan of God that has been in sort of a holding pattern for several thousand years is now ready to be enacted. And, and so what exciting days uh, with the birth of John the Baptist and, and these prophecies and all that are about to be fulfilled. Much like the days in which we are living, exciting days where, again, these promises of God and these predictions that have been made through the years, there's, a, there's about to come the fulfillment of many of these things for which our hearts have longed and yearned for as the Son of Righteousness shall again arise with healing in his wings and these prophecies of his eternal reign will be fulfilled as Jesus shall come and establish God's kingdom over the earth. And so we're living in exciting times as we see God's word about again to come to pass before our eyes. So living in this anticipation and excitement of God fulfilling his promises. We'll return with more of our in-depth study in the book of Luke in our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck focuses his attention on the timing of Jesus' birth. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, I'd like to remind you that if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Luke 1 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, we encourage you to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, all this can be found at thewordfortoday.org. If you'd like to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure and join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Father, thank you for your word and truly it is a lamp unto our feet a light unto our path and thank you Lord for sending your son thank you that he has 
come to us the light of the world as we sat in darkness, groping in our darkness and sin. But he brought to us the glorious light, the understanding of your love and of your grace and of your mercy, the remitting of our sins through the shedding of his blood. Lord, may we walk now in the light, even as he is in the light, that we might have fellowship with you as his blood cleanses us from all of our sins. Exciting times, exciting days. Lord, may we be caught up in the glory of your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we stand? May the Lord be with you. As we have mentioned, it's an exciting week. A lot of opportunities to serve the Lord. This Thursday night, having finished our series on the Holy Spirit, we will begin a study of the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, often called the Alps of the New Testament, as it brings you into the highest levels of the Christian walk, uh, just uh, the peaks of uh, God's work and grace and love for us, his children. So starting Ephesians on Thursday night should be a glorious study that I'm sure will bless you as we discover all that God has done for us. There in chapter 1, Verse 3, thanks be unto God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ in heavenly places. And for three chapters, he's going to tell you all that you have, all that you are, all that is available to you through Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to read over Ephesians. And uh, as you read it, underline in him, through him, by him, uh, all of these benefits and blessings that are all yours in, through, by Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, it's sort of the key to the book to discover what you are and what you have through Jesus Christ. And so we encourage you to join with us in this study of Ephesians beginning on Thursday night. And now may the God... And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, bless you with all spiritual blessings in Christ in heavenly places. May you experience his love, his presence, his power in your life this week as you walk with him. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. It is my great pleasure to present Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles is an open-ended book. Jesus continues even to the present day to work in the lives of people throughout the world through those who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. This book also includes a special foreword written by Pastor John Corson. We studied the book of Acts, but we never saw the book of Acts. 
but we were seeing the moving of the Holy Spirit. Calvary Chapel family, may you always be known as a people who pray in Jesus' name, that it would be Jesus Christ, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. May the Jesus movement continue on. To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Acts Commentary, please call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online to read a sneak preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org.